0: Welcome to the Level Design Podcast. In this episode, we go postal and delve into the mysterious happenings of Black Mater with level designer, Oliver Curtis. Let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the Level Design Podcast, and we're back once again in this beautiful summer. Joining me is Johnny Wilson. Hello, Johnny, how are you keeping, sir?
1: Keeping well, it's like, you call it summer, but I probably disagree with you right now. I was running the other day and it was running into force winds, I was basically standing still. It wasn't fun.
0: it's just resistance training it's just resistance training I mean, you don't have to pay for pay for the elastic bands to be like holding you back it's
1: not what i'm looking for i like mm-hmm. to move not be like this along the seafront yeah. when you're coming <laughs> yeah. back it's quite fun but... when you're coming back you just oh yeah yeah
0: <laughs> i've noticed that in beaches like we were like i don't know we we're in norfolk or something it's like we're walking down the beach going like oh this is a nice really lovely walk and then you come back and it's like it's so <laughs> hard to get back
2: it's like the mechanic in *Death Stranding*, where you had yeah, to wait right. and you had to balance yourself. Yeah,
1: right. But in real, <laughs> life. real life, yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but this is what you're used to, isn't it, Valentina? And Valentina, Chrysostomos and other host on the show who is in windy edinburgh i presume
2: yeah yeah we haven't had a lot of wind recently thank god so it's been more um it's been warm but also strange because it's random randomly super randomly rains in the morning will be so sunny and nice and then suddenly like within minutes it will be storming and raining and it will stop but it's still but it's still warm so it's uh, it's a bit confusing (laughs) yeah i think it's warm
0: So you getting all the weather patterns in one day, but in at least one it's warm. Yeah. And joining us from
2: the other
0: end of England is the lovely Oliver Curtis, joining us from Dartmoor. Is it Dartmoor, deep- mate. It's the deepest, darkest Dartmoor. Oh yeah, Mid- middle of nowhere,
3: where the rain turns sideways because of just how <laughs> intense it can get up here. Um, oh. But that is summer for us here, so you know, it's no different really.
0: All oh, right, I see. So it's like, oh, well, that's summer, that's winter. How do you know the difference? Well,
3: I mean, they just kind of blend in. Once, like, got colder rain, I guess, at some point, but you know. Yeah.
0: But I mean, I mean, th- this is a good incentive to stay home and make awesome levels, like.
3: Well, yeah, exactly.
0: And you've been doing this. Let me just rewind for a second. My introduction to level design was literally making levels for Half Life, because we played it in the office, and I decided to, re- you know, the thing that you always do is recreate your office in a Half Life. Level, and I think the editor was Hammer at the time. I can't. Remember. I don't think we we'd gone to Source. Yeah. Then it must have been Hammer, and that's kind of where I got my start of doing stupid levels. That that you know, you know, and it's the balancing of like, hey Mark, do you want to play like Half Life? You know, Network Half Life. I'm a bit busy making levels for it. You yeah. know, <laughs> but, yeah.
3: you, but you do tend to. I set you say even saying that. I I, I think. That sometimes is more fun than playing with with especially with like yeah especially with like Source it you tend to get lost in level design with spe- like because with Hammer now the editor is it's very broken it's old it's buggy but you can still get lost in just how the tools work right because right? you guys know you know you're probably working with Unreal Engine at the moment. You know, level design tools are quite scarce in it compared to something like Hammer is, where it's quite easy to just kind of conjure up these brushes out of a void, you know, yeah. in like mere seconds and have them textured and ready to go. And you do kind of get lost in it, you know. I I know I have, anyway.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, it feels like a more flow version. I mean, and I haven't worked in, in AAA, so I don't know of many other tools out there apart from... There's a tool for unity and i think they've pulled it into the the engine that mm-hmm. is kind of similar to hammer a little bit more it's like you you're more extending a box and you can make a level quite easy
1: is it probably pro that you're thinking of pro
0: like? builder i think that was it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's been a while but yeah like unreal engine it, uh, yeah sure you can do landscapes you can do big things but it's not a level design tool i mean it's no. It gives you brushes, but the boy, then they they fight you. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, and that's that's and it's annoying as well because when I have to work at the art college in Plymouth teaching students there about level creation and you know the the tools that they have available to them and Unreal, it's like it gets to the geometry tools and they're like, oh, okay, so can I build my entire level out of this? It's like, I mean. If you want to spend the whole entire semester bashing your head against the screen, sure, why not? You know, go Go for it. Um, Yeah.
2: The geometry tools are really uh, also very performance heavy. I remember working with and The more you add, just... I'm not sure why, but it's very, very performance heavy. Like drop my frame rate and it was just that in the scene, right? You can start creating level and so Yeah. Um, I haven't worked with hammer before, so I'm kinda interested in knowing like uh, why why is it a, a better level design tool? What what does it have that's like making your life easier basically as a level designer?
3: Okay. Yeah, so um I mean my 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 background from like level design always stem from drawing like top down designs and stuff because, you know, that's just how I was, like, playing games when I was younger, I was always in 2D. So I was always, like, seeing levels as a 2D sort of, like, design. And then we get to, like, you know, people, say, like, architects drawing levels on, you know, buildings on graph paper. Mm-hmm. So you have this very grid-like layout, and that's... I an, have a friend who... I've got a bit of backstory to this, but it will make sense in a minute. I had a friend whose father was, like, a, an architect. He worked for, like, this um, building firm. And it, he it, so he always gave us Graph paper to like draw in, so just the idea of drawing basic geometrical shapes, which anyone will be able to do, you know. But then using graph paper to be able to like place it around, um, feels very natural. Mm -hmm. You're you're doing something that you already know how to do. You can draw a square, you know. It might be a terrible square, but you can draw a square, and if you do it with graph paper, it's a lot easier to do because you've got lines to follow. Hammer kind of takes the same approach. Like it has a three D viewport, but most of the creation is done in the two D like so you see yeah, you have a top you have a left you have a front you can switch them to like back bottom whatever but all the brushes are created in that that space so you can create like a block or a rectangle it's most, mostly just squares and cylinders really i mean there are other shapes but they again they can get a bit buggy
0: other shapes um, are available <laughs> other shapes are available yeah
3: <laughs> so you can create uh very quickly like say a room yeah just a couple of brushes will just create a room and then using something like the texture tool you can literally just select the face so I could literally look at this wall and be like you know what I don't want it to be you know a white wall anymore I want it to be like a brick wall or I want it to be a wall covered in trash and it's just a case of just applying the texture to it Mm -hmm. I say it like this and it's taken like what two or three minutes to explain but the process itself happens in like five seconds it's it's incredibly Mm -hmm. quick and I think that's something I miss with uh, an engine like Unreal Engine Four, because with Unreal Engine Three and UDK, we still had you know geometrical tools. They used like the additive and subtractive systems, but they were still there. They still worked pretty well. You could prototype levels up pretty quickly. It was the same sort of idea that, that Hammer uses. You know, you had. The, the viewport split into four, which you can still do with Unreal now, but it's, it was it made more sense back then because you could use those spaces to then create your, your geometry and then quickly bash together at a prototype
0: level. And the texturing as well was, and please tell me if I'm wrong because I have fuzzy memories of this, you could put uh, textures there and they'll line up a lot easier than... For example, what you'd be doing in Unreal, like you spend a lot more time moving stuff around to make sure that the yeah. textures appear, and then you could like, like kind of partition the the BSPs along wherever that that texture had a natural bump or something, and you mm-hmm. can put it out. And so, for example, if you did like, how can I explain it like a column that in in fact all of the faces would look the same. You could very quickly make them look like proper rather than a repetition of the of the, mm, of the face. Okay. It's difficult to, to describe on an audio and even kind of, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> on, on yeah. a video with my hands, but it, yeah. it, it just made it a lot easier. So you could get this different workflow, which is a level designer is putting it all together compared to like, and now we pass it over to the environment artist,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is much more... Of,
1: yeah, I guess it's just letting you do more within the editor. So like, instead of needing that back and forth between artists to 3d max to back into editor you can do a lot more of it from within the tool itself instead so you're kind of streamlining mm. yeah. that pipeline right
3: and it's, it's you have to like remember like so i speak of hammer now in 2021 and we use hammer on operation black Mace and guard duty but we're, we're in a lucky position that being a size, uh, source engine licensee we've been able to kind of like fix some of the issues it inherently has so changing things from it being a 32-bit editor to a 64-bit, so it doesn't, like, leak all your memory everywhere, so it doesn't, like, hang up when you try to open up this extra browser and stuff. But it's an editor that's been around since the 90s. Like, Mark, you said you were making levels for it, with it in, you know, for the original Half-Life, which was 1998, you know, and that was WorldCraft. And now <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was still... yeah. <laughs> Make me pillow, all these things. Just I was exactly say. the same. <laughs> Obviously, I was doing it in my bedroom, but it, uh, it's, it's the same editor from then. So it's it's in a way, it's kind of giving a kind of look back into how sort of centralized everything was with these editors, you know, it wasn't just, you know, um, Worldcraft and and Half-Life, you had things like Quake and Radiant editors were doing exactly the same, you know, it was all kind of contained inside one because you don't really have, I mean, you had 3D modelers, you know, you had people creating like assets like that for the environment, but it wasn't like on a massive scale like we have now where a lot of the, you know, we have these environmental artists, who will you know take it upon themselves to build up you know the world around you and you know create all these fantastic assets for you to build up It was all done inside this editor with blocks and shapes and you know and it was just trying to find ways to kind of almost cheat the system to make your blocks look better than the other person's blocks and you know get a better looking texture
2: do you think that is why hammer is uh I don't know. I'm trying to find a word. A a, a better, I'm just going to say, better, better level design, like, uh, tool or engine rather than, say, Unreal or Unity because it focused, like you said, now we have so many assets and that kind of is passed on to the environment art team, right? Whereas before, you were focusing on making the levels and they didn't have much in them apart from, like, a few assets. So the the important thing back then was to, like, make the levels be fun. So do you think that could be a reason why Hammer uh, is it's easier to use and create levels. Is that the, the focus was different when they were building it.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I've been using Unreal Engine 4 since it, it launched, and there's still aspects of it that I don't understand or, you know, I still learn about now. You know, it's just the nature of the, the industry that we're in. But with, with Hammer, it was, yeah, it was, it was all contained in one editor. You didn't really have to stray too far from it. Um, you know you didn't have to learn a you know 3ds max or i think it was like soft image milk tools mm. or xsi tools or whatever it was at the time to make 3d models which was like a free software at the time
0: Lightwave um, but was another one i think I've yeah really yeah yeah that.
3: and you know I, I think blender was just getting its start when like the source engine came out or whatever it was like getting a bit of an adoption from people mm. but it was like you never had to stray too far so it was all contained inside this one editor so everything that you had to learn like so like level creation, texture application, lighting—it its called like map I/O, but it's literally just map scripting. You know, it's—it's mm-hmm. it's all within inside this this one tool. You know, so it's almost like going back to when you know people would set up like their ZX Spectrum or a Commodore sixty-four, and they'd literally just have the one machine to be able to create everything that they wanted in their in their bedroom and make a game out of it. It's it's the same sort of idea there. It's just. Everything's inside one editor. You're not having the stray too far. So because you're more focused in that one editor.
0: And, and the play cycle, I'm, I'm can't, I don't think it was that slow. Like, if no, you wanted to play that level, like I mean, now in Unreal, you just press the play button and you can start yeah. it. But uh, I, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you could do something very similar. You could literally be in the level in a few yeah. seconds.
3: Yeah, you could just hit F9. It would compile... I mean, obviously, obviously on the scale that we're on now, you know, and I know um, other like there's mod teams out there doing what we're doing, you know, obviously with the free public version. But you know, levels now and that are created in the uh, the engine are battling the, the limits. So we are kind of rinsing the system, and it's taking a long time. But mm-hmm. Joe blogs picking up the editor, making a making a their bedroom, their office. Yeah, hit F9, and in like what less than a minute, you might be around in it you know it was you know it was, it was just it was nice and quick and i think it was also because the viewport although it's not like what we consider now is what you see is what you get with unreal where it's like real time and everything for the time seeing your creation in 3d in this viewport and be able to kind of like understand the space you were creating out of a void you know it was very instantaneous you know you were seeing it there you know you have
0: to remember. Uh, as well, at this time, you didn't have this idea of like real-time three D graphics. You had games, okay, which were real-time with three D graphics, but you rendered stuff in three Ds Max. So you'd see everything in wireframe, and then you'd press F nine or whatever in three Ds Max, and it would start rendering the image for you to see it. But like in 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 Hammer, you could pretty much see it and and kind of run it. I wanted to just have a quick chat about Black Mesa, so. Is this the Black Mesa, the Half-Life 2?
3: No, this is Black Mesa, who's made, which is made by Crowbar Collective, which is um, a global team of uh, developers. Um, you know, and they're, 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 they're a global studio now, and they have been since, uh, I think it's about 2005. So they've got some some time behind doing the whole remote working thing, and mm-hmm. they're pretty good at it now. We are Mine Studios, so we... Create Operation Black Mesa and Guard oh, okay. duty. So Black Mesa is a—I have to say this correctly, otherwise I always get people like bombard me. It's a reimagining of Half Life, so it's not oh, no. a one-to-one recreation. It's a reimagining using modern modern tools, and we're do- we're in the same boat. So we are reimagining Half Life: Opposing Force and Half Life: Blue Shift. Um, that were the expansions for Half-Life. Just, yeah, <laughs> using modern tools. <laughs> and although I think we spent a lot more time trying to be a bit more faithful to the original source material, obviously there are times where you do have to take that source material and kind of take some artistic twists with it. Do you know what I mean? Because it's although it was, it was great design for the 90s and what we had back then, right now it the, the some of the not necessarily the level design it's the environmental law of the place yeah doesn't quite work out and you have to find a balance between the you know the level design layouts that you were given from that original spec and not strain too far that returning players don't know where the hell they are mm-hmm. but also cater to like making sense for newer players who might not really have played half-life and you know
0: yeah. Be fairly forgiving of of yeah. of the limitations.
1: Yeah, I guess with like every like you said, it's a reimagining, and it sounds like you're taking the original levels. Obviously, you're using the same tools. so I assume that makes that a little bit easier. Like you're trying to like stay as close to that level of familiarity, so returning players in theory will recognize it, but like also catering towards that new audience as well. Like, is there anything you guys have had to like drastically do or like redo to kind of Either maintain that, or you've just not physically not been able to do for any particular reason. So,
3: see, so this is this is a really good point because my there's a there's a chapter I'm involved in, uh, which I lead, which is called Missing an Action, mm. uh, which is an opposing force, and it's pretty early on. It's like the second or third chapter, and the reason why my chapter's taken so long is just because of how bad some parts of the level design is for the area, um, and how it doesn't really work for the rest of the game and this is this is not so, like a se- sentiment that we hold it's it's I, I think it's it's normally it's a chapter that uh, if you can skip it you will right it's oh, really? sort of,
0: yeah what what makes it bad in your opinion
3: so the So this is another thing, it's having to rely on uh, community community reception as well with this, because obviously Half-Life series is a very, very beloved game with some very, very uh, strong opinions. Passionate fans. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So And
0: there's going to be loads of opinions, so I think here you're free to say that these are your yeah. opinions and not of your employer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, definitely. These are all my opinions, and I think, I think a lot of people will know that because I have spoken about it at length um, on previous points, but it's, it's... So Black Mesa as a facility, although it's a fictional facility, does have some you know, um, groundwork in how a facility of that size would maybe operate. Mm-hmm. Not like one to one true, but it's like some parts will make more sense. Like you wouldn't have uh, a blast furnace next to an office space, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but that's the problem with missing an action that takes place. It's that jumble of areas. Like although try, they've tried to make it interesting, and you know, it's it's a it's a very sort of like uh, level where you're trying to get away from the surface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, to escape, um, and you're considered, you know, like the title says, everyone expects you to be dead. So you're just trying to find a way out. And there's a couple of NPCs and enemies that are introduced in this chapter as well. So the environment's had to kind of shift around to be able to introduce them properly. But at the end of it, you have about four maps which are just very hodgepodge, duct taped together and they will like it right (laughs) um and for um for the rest of the game to to kind of have that chapter in there a lot of works had to take place in order to again find a balance of not turning away returning players and not making it so that you know if you're a new player you've got a clue what's going on you know so um it's been a very sort of juggling act um and that's i've i'm very thankful to the team who've been there along the step like every step of the way where if someone gets an idea we kind of you know chat about it probably for like weeks on end sometimes like just constantly making small little adjustments trying to make things you know fit in better you know and i'm, I'm happy to say now you know we have a better idea of how this area actually serves the, the not just like the area that it sits in but like the game overall like how these npcs kind of evolve from this uh from this one area that they're in so but it has been challenging it has been challenging
1: no it's a uh, think. I think it's really fascinating because you see it a lot now, right? There's a lot of remakes in the industry or reimaginings, I guess is like more of the case. And it's, you're always going to have the old audience, right? But like the part of your job with doing this kind of stuff, it's to bring that new generation into a franchise that could have been dormant for so long as well. And yeah, I find it's a fascinating balancing act and it's just like, yeah, but you have a lot of people can look at it one way. You have the blueprints for how this game should work. Right. As I, no, I have the blueprints for how the game worked in the 90s. I don't have the blueprints <laughs> of how it would work as a modern game today. And I think there's, there's fascinating articles and talks that can come out of all of this stuff.
2: Yeah, I think it's really difficult actually reimagining a game. Uh, I would say just as difficult as making a game in UIP because you have to please uh, people who've already played the game. You have to kind of respect the franchise. You also kind of have to respect how... Uh, Uh, the the, the gameplay itself so even though maybe resident evil 2 fixed camera or something like that tank controls might not work now uh they they existed and uh, and kind of like coexisted with everything else in a specific way so you kind of have to use that you have to understand the source material and respect what it was trying to do and kind of like recreate that in a modern way and then you also have to bring in new players so it's like there's all this stuff happening at the same time and it's i think it's really difficult and like um like we can see with the resident evil franchises i read the remaking reimagining the the resident evil 2 3 you know it's like it's just a very hard balance to find right there's uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about the games right because of this reason
0: I think a lot of the the time is paying the, the lip service to the original players, which is important because that's going to be your big audience. But I think maybe, and I'm, this is like I'm I'm happy to to change my mind on this. The other goal is to get new players into this, right? It's like leaving a legacy of going like, right, because in you've seen how much has changed from the tank controls and stuff like that from whatever the '90s and early 2000s. What's going to happen in 10 years time when people are playing these reimagined games they don't have any of the the, the subsequent language of saying like well this Mm -hmm. is insane, now we do things in VR and this makes no sense you know, (laughs) do you know what I mean it's like like, either you modernise it or, and just pay some lip service but you do like this is what's right for now um, and maybe it's maybe I'm wrong maybe like
3: no no I, I think it's a valid point to make to be honest because yeah it, it, you are totally right in 10-15 years you know if, if if people are you know still going back to say Operation Black Mesa and uh you know they're like well this th- this just doesn't make sense this needs to be this doesn't this, this doesn't make any sense because it was based on a, on a game in the 90s I mean there are there ha- have had to be difficult posi- like positions we've had to take where we're like, no, this just is not gonna work. Like, we'll we'll keep in like the original lore stuff, maybe as lip service, you know, maybe like a guard, you know, dies in the area and you like his last point of contact or something. We'll keep that in, but everything else has to change because otherwise it's just, it's just gonna break, you know, cause it's not just about keeping that level layout. You have to take in, you know, anything you would as a level designer how you're gonna flow for the environment? How it's all pacing, you know? Um, and then you have to start working with things like the, you know, the sound designer. Is he got any stems that are gonna come in because there's another moment coming up ahead where you like, you know, f- run into some like attack helicopter <laughs> coming after you or something? Do you know what I mean? It's all there's all those factors. So you still have to take it as, um, you know, is this gonna be the correct choice? You can't just keep it in for the sake of keeping it in because it was a as a game that you are reimagining. Um, there are there are times where you are like, well hate to do this, but we're going to have to just yeah. Yeah. cut it um, and go with something else. Um, and that has, uh, it's sad to say that has happened once or twice with us, um, you know, but it's, again, it's something we want, you know, we have been documenting this entire mm-hmm. time. So one, one of our things that we do is we do these media releases like twice a year. We do give some insight into like how we work f- via them. We also do these like developer blogs and hopefully we'll be doing Twitch streams soon so you can get some big, bigger insight. But one thing that we have made sure to do is always catalogue anything that's changed internally away from...
0: From canon. Yeah, from canon.
3: <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, because it, it is. It's it's tough. Like it's Because um, obviously uh, Opposing Force was always meant to be an, ex- uh, an expansion to happen, but Blue Shift was meant to happen for the Dreamcast. So it's always been this kind of... Um, I want to say like a, a, a black sheep scenario, but it's not it, it's not even that really. It's it's like it's it was never meant to be around. Um, it was always kind of like this expansion that was never meant to be, because if because it, it it just never came out in the Dreamcast, and then Gearbox kind of like managed to somehow shunt it up onto the PC, and uh, release with it. It was the HD model pack, which everyone hates. Everyone hates this HD model pack. So we we've we've also kind of had to. Pay some lip service to the HD model pack by giving you the option to change because they changed some of the weapons. So now we've had to like kind of go, well, you can change between these weapons as well in the settings if you want. Do you know what
0: I mean? <laughs> Up to you. If, if you are, that's suicidal. One of the models, uh, so going back to my Half Life one days, there was one guy that we used to play and he cheated. He got himself a Kermit the Frog model in multiplayer. <laughs> So the hitbox is about this big compared to everybody's <laughs> massive hitbox. There's always one in there. Yeah, and like for <laughs> ages I didn't understand. This, and then like that's where I learned about hitboxes. So when well, yeah. no anyone anyone talks about hitboxes to me, in, in in I'm always thinking of Kermit the Frog. And <laughs> now you'll know why I have strange analogies.
1: It's not the worst example to have when you want to explain a hitbox. Just bring Kermit out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. you got Kermes that's this is big, and a human being that's this big. He was he played, yeah. So we used a lot of trip mines on him because <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> so for for recent viewers, Ollie and I know, know each other for for a few years now yeah. you changed your job like we have we've had <laughs> talked to many people on this podcast about how did you get into games you know and how yeah. do you do that and they all said well i studied i then uh, applied for some jobs so i got a job at a triple a studio i'm now the director of that triple a studio this happens <laughs> to everyone by the way if you're studying games <laughs> that's on, just that's how it happens
1: right it's it's how
0: that's exactly yeah. the, the the lineage that you get but yours was slightly different
2: Mm. I believe because
0: <laughs> you have been doing like level design like as you say at, at home, I mean we've all been doing level design at home but.
3: Yeah. Uh, I, was a, I was a bin man I picked up uh, and it wasn't just like any old uh, bin job either because cause of where we are in the southwest, uh you can't have wheelie bins so it was all black bag pick up, bike with your hands chucking it into the back of a dust cart for 10, 10 hours a day uh, five days a week sometimes six days a week if it was holiday season you had to catch up on bank holidays and i did that yeah like on and off for like 10 years
0: yeah and then you became a level designer and a director of a company
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. it's another <laughs> linear progression yeah
3: it was it was weird because i so i did i did the university thing right i went to plymouth college of art it was plymouth college of art and design then um and i did a degree in design for games
0: Okay. And so so far so standard.
3: Yeah, standard. And then I, I basically graduated, and I instantly went into volunteering at Develop. All oh, right. Which is where I met a lot of you know a lot of people I know now mm-hmm. like Ellen and Johnny mm-hmm. and, you know and then eventually you but you were, I met you on a, on a, on the year that I stopped being a conference associate that's that's the thing. All oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so so yeah, I, I volunteered for for years at. Brighton develop, and I was constantly meeting people. Um, but shortly after I graduated, it was... I had, like, a, 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 a an interview lined up for Rocksteady Studios, uh, who were working on, like, the Batman games at the time. And I remember having a, a design test, like, a level design test, who wanted to, be like, like, remake a Gotham subway or something. Um, and, you know, it, it was at that point that I was, I was having to move, and, you know, I was... My, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was pregnant at the time. And I was like, I need, I, I, I can't, I've got to put this on pause. I've got to get money. I've got to do it. Because, you know, I can't just hopefully hope to get a job at Rockstage. So I had to, I'd had to bite the bullet and I had to, to get a job as a bin man. And I did that, yeah, on and off for 10 years. So, but I wouldn't change it, would not change any of it. Not for one second.
2: Oh, that's what your t shirt uh, says
3: right now. Yeah, was, yeah, was, yeah. well yeah, okay. exactly. And it, you know, now, <laughs> now I've got this to wear. It's your mantra. Um, yeah, exactly. It is it's 'cause at the end of the day I it was never it was never like, oh man, I'm a I'm a bin man, you know. It was it was always like You know it was just it was a great job and i met some really fantastic funny interesting characters while doing it and they were really interested in what i did you know as as a spare time thing but at the end of the day it was just an answer means like i had to get money therefore that was the way to get money and then when i got home you know i could work on whatever um you know so yeah it's sometimes it's that's just the way it is but it's never it's never a, a case of like well i'm doing this now so i might as well give up you know it's just just use it as fuel that's that's what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like, yeah, I'm a bit man now, but come yeah. year, I might be able to get re- into like the next rounders, like summer job, you know, jobs that come up, and what have you? And
0: yeah, uh, it's one of those things that I see. I mean, again, this is not the whole world. This is uh, Twitter. A lot of people say I'm an aspiring level designer or an mm. aspiring this or an aspiring that. It's like, be that. That's what you you do. Just because you're not being paid for yeah. it right it's- now. Yeah. You know, uh be, do that. That's that's what you are. If you're aspiring to be it, either practice it or, or you know I could be an aspiring yeah. astronaut. But <laughs> if I'm doing nothing about it, I'm not a aspiring astronaut. Yeah. Take the Yeah. So whatever we've done in, in life is like and I don't mean that in a like dark, mysterious thing, you know, but is is be what you want to be, right? It's like you've been you know, uh, and enjoy the moment of whatever you're doing because otherwise that's a really horrible situation if you're not enjoying what you're doing, right? You, yeah. so, you, so you've got to try and enjoy what you're doing and see, see, see it for what it is at that time in your life.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was like, I, I've had the same thing happen with a friend of mine recently who's, you know, he's had to move out of a place he was living in and now he's having to, like, save up again and he's had to get a, a job, you know, that he's outside of his, you know, he's a musician. He's a pretty successful musician in the area, but he's had to get a, a day job, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? To, to get enough money to be able to move to a new place and it was it was it was that it was just you know yeah you're having to take a, a job that you don't want to do it sucks but at the end of the day use it use it as a means to an end you know you, you're getting that money you're not going to do it forever because at, at the same time you still have passion for what you want to do and the, the what i tend to f- find is when i was working away you know getting covered in God knows what had like split open in a black bag that day is I couldn't wait to get home and just work on levels. Yeah. That, that passion got even more like intense, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the the more, the more I I went down that road. So, but you should never, never define yourself like that. You know, if, if you're going to have to take a a job, just, just do it. Just be like, look, I need this money. I need to survive. I'm only human, but I, I, you know, I want to do this. So,
0: I mean, you were destined to become a, a level designer, though, weren't you? It's like, or, or a game developer. What was the first thing you heard in your mind, or like in this as you enter this world? Nothing. No? Was it not I like an hot sword?
3: <laughs> I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I get. I so I was born slightly deaf. Oh really? I say slightly deaf. Oh, no. I was born pretty much deaf. Um, I had so there's a, there's a condition where like it's it's glue ear, which okay. is where your ears produce too much wax. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, had co- mine had caused so many infections that my eardrums were damaged as well, so I didn't hear anything. Um, and I used to kick things if I wanted it. Apparently, according to my mum, I had this operation like planned for ages. I kept getting sick. I kept getting the flu, in and out of the hospital with my mum. Finally, get to this uh, to this date at this this hospital called Freedom Fields, which isn't there anymore in Plymouth. I think it's like a housing commune place now, which is still called Freedom Fields, which is kind of nice. I was I was put on the children's ward. And when I got there, I was still like coming off the last like cold I had, so I didn't really pay attention to what was happening. And then I had this this operation uh, where they cleared it all out. They put like the grommets behind the eardrums. They closed up the eardrums, and you know that was it. And then I remember waking up at like two o'clock in the morning. My mum wasn't around. She'd like she'd been sleeping in a, a side room where like a couple of the parents had been sleeping. But the one thing that caught my eye was this massive TV. It was like a massive CRT TV. And I don't know how the hell they got this this CRT TV in there. It was just so big. Maybe it's because I was like six, seven years old. Yeah. But it was massive. Anyway, the first thing I ever heard, it wasn't my mother's voice. It was Duck Hunt <laughs> on the NES. <laughs> so that's like the first proper thing I heard into my head was duck hunt playing around the NES and I didn't play it I went over to it and I remember just sitting there and just listening to it and looking at it and obviously seeing the you know the dog pop up and um, the duck flying around and then I'd like notice the gun on the floor and then I started having to go but ever since then it's just ever since then I just had just anything anything like I can play you know anything I can do to make things in that I play I just I want to I, I want to I wanna do it you know
0: that's amazing. That, that's like you've been predestined. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's kind of inspiring, actually. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And I love that the, the, the fact that your t-shirt is, like, I regret nothing. It's both, you know, very deep, meaningful for this podcast. But it's also, isn't that the tagline for one of the games you're working on? Postal 4. Yeah. No Postal regret. 4, yeah. Well,
3: Interesting. It's, in Postal 4, it's, I regret nothing. So Regert, it's, it's yeah. misspelled yeah. regret. But, yeah, it's it's the tagline, yeah. Well, you keep busy. Oh, yeah, I'm busy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's like, I think it's about, yeah, it's like six days a week at this point. But I always make sure that, you know, if my daughter comes home from school, I, you know, I say hello to her, I ask her how day You know, my wife comes in from work, I, you know, meet her at the door, say hello. You know, if I'm here, if I'm not, if I'm in Plymouth, I can't exactly, like, you know, but yeah, it's even though I'm, I'm busy, I always try and make time for, for family. You know, it's not like I come in here and I just hide away in this little, like, man cave. Yeah, levels <laughs> flying out the door. Yeah, levels like <laughs> flying around, you know. Little geometrical shapes like floating in the air. Like, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, and
2: you close your eyes, that's all you see, geometrical shapes.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been working on Postal for?
3: So, See, that is a, it's also a funny story with Postal Fall. So, like, I started working for them at the end of October of last year. I originally applied for a lighting artist position that they had advertised. And I remember sending cons Not, like, constantly, but, like, just sending an email every now and again to Josh, who's the who's uh, lead, like, who's a, a lead there. I wasn't getting anything back, and I was just like, oh, man, I haven't got it. Oh, well, maybe next time. And I was just like hmm I wonder and I posted something it was it was something like it, it was like an image from Operation Black Mesa on Twitter and I was just like trying to get some feedback so I was just trying to get my headspace out of it really and one of my discord users who had known I'd apply for Running With Scissors quote tweeted and tagged Running With Scissors in it and gone you need to hire this guy <laughs> and they they went what's his like what's his email address and I was just like, yeah, I sent an application and then instantly I had an email back.
1: Oh, wow. It's like okay, multiple so... subtle um, nudges and then your friend just pushed yeah, it over. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> And then I realised I was... So I started speaking to the Twitter account who I then found out was Mike, Mike Jarrett who's like the second in command there. And he... Oh, they'd already filled up the lighting artist position but they were like, look, we're going to set you up with a chat with Josh and John who's like, who's um, like the producer... And, you know, just have a chat to see how, how how it goes. So I was like, all right, awesome. So a week later, I'm having a chat with them. And then, you know, we, we I think we spoke for like an hour and a half. Like, just, just about anything. Literally like we're doing now. Just literally just shooting the breeze, right? And I remember getting off and instantly getting a message from Mike on Twitter. And it's just like, how do you think it went? I was, I was like, yeah, it was really nice. It was really nice chatting to them. It was really cool. And he was like, do you want to work for us? I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. I mean, it's like, it was like half 11 at night at this point. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, um, yeah, instantly got like offered a position then and there. And I, I remember just I remember going into the bedroom because my wife was asleep at the time. Just like, just get up, wake up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> guess what's happened
3: and yeah it, i've been working there since yeah october last year it's it's so it's so funny working with them and there's such a diverse bunch of people um who are also a remote global team you know there's, there's people all over the world working for them um yeah really nice bunch of people
0: that sounds like great success i mean pandemic aside if you've already set up to be a, a global team you can you can hire the best from wherever, right? Even if it's in the middle of Dartmouth, right? You know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Have you noticed any differences with working remotely for a team that already has had that set up before the pandemic?
3: No, I think it's been quite easy to slot in for them. What, What people tend to find who are already working as part of a global remote team is they are too inclined to work. Outside of their hours, if you know what I mean. So it's like, cause you're sat around, you're like, I'm at home. The pandemic's going on. I might as well just work. It's like you see, there, there has been that barrier that that's kind of been breached a lot. Is where you know,
1: where does it stop? When you need to stop.
3: Yeah, you need to stop. You need to take a break. You need to step back. You need to go. You know, uh, obviously not go outside and breathe like you know any old air, but you know just (laughs) like take a breather and you know just kind of attached because otherwise you know you start messing with you know other internal systems that you know we kind of don't really see coming on like you know like the circadian rhythm and uh, and stuff like that so yeah there's there's definitely been an easier integration during the pandemic but there's also been that that i'm sat at home during a pandemic i've got nothing else to do i might as well work and that has kind of i've seen a domino effect in some areas. Not really so much with running with scissors. I think they had a bit more of a better control over it from the beginning, but especially within TripMind Studios, you know, being such a uh, inexperienced team, I would say for, for that, it was, you know, you'd have people working until like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's like, go just get some sleep, honestly. Get, get some rest. You don't need to do this.
0: And this is very difficult with distributed teams when they're globally distributed because, you know, you're chatting with someone on whatever chat chat platform you have, Discord or whatever. And then you go like, wait a minute, isn't it like you're midnight? You know, or is yeah. isn't it like, <laughs> like it might be six PM for me, but it's like it's, you know, whatever time it's eight PM for you. Go to bed, you know, go go yeah. and, or, well, not go to bed at eight PM, but go <laughs> go, go <you laughs> yeah, yeah. get a break,
1: go and yeah. do something
3: else. Yeah. yeah, it is. Time zones are a nightmare. And there there are times where you do cross over, yeah. But there are times where you, you kind of cross over one too many times and you go, look you know, like you know i appreciate you getting back to me now with the feedback but it's like you know it's 2 a.m in washington go to bed <laughs> yeah. like just, just get some rest you know I don't, or you the know, other just... way around yeah.
2: like they're working during yeah. the day and you get sent a message and it's like uh, maybe about the time that you're about to finish but you're like oh it's just a five minute shot and then one hour later you're still talking it's like wait yeah. no no it's yeah, like it's weird right? yeah
3: yeah, it is. Yeah. It, 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 so that is, that is definitely like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's always down to that, isn't it? It's time. It's always that, that one point of reference for any issue that, that would come out is that, yeah. you know, I've got too, I've got too much time. So I'm going to use some of that time to work or I haven't got enough time. So I'm just gonna, you know, shrug it off. But I, I think that's, that's the major thing I've seen for these remote mm-hmm. teams is, it's definitely the the inability to kind of stop.
1: It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy, but I think you have to do it. You have to almost set like hard barriers for yourself. And I think like the t- like a team or a studio they also needs to acknowledge that kind of stuff. Because like Valentina used the simple example there of, oh, it's, I don't know, it's five to six. So let's say you're going to finish at six. Oh, I'll have that five minute conversation. Oh, it's seven o'clock now. And as a one-off, might might not be so bad, but it all racks up if it happens again, and again, and again, and again, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And I think, unfortunately, that can. Um, it sounds like uh, common sense, but I, th- I think it just it can just happen, yeah, 100%. and you might just need to establish rules or like guidelines or standards within like uh, your team because it might seem like so random, like. Please don't text people after six o'clock or like stuff like that. But it's that it, it can contribute and can help we hope because we're all different and like having some sort of like standard that can like can help really. It's like
1: I, I, I went through phases of just reconfiguring like my notifications and availability on Slack. Uh, so it like always updates oh. so like yeah. when I'm done or I finish for the day, like it will block my notifications until a set time the next day and everything like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that.
0: Oh man. Slack is a troll, right? Because, <laughs> like, I put my notifications to off when I finish work, when I, like, you know, log off. But for for, for some reason, it would instantly switch to my mobile and start pinging my mobile with everything. Okay. I think that's Even an option from, you
2: can set in Slack, actually. Once you m- move out of the desktop, it will start sending the notifications right, but it's like, to your I'm, phone.
0: I'm, and I'm, <laughs> on, I'm, like, heading off. I'm like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no you're yeah, not. I'm going I'm to follow you, you now. <laughs> I'm I'm literally walking into another room and I've had like ten like, messages like no I've finished,
2: so like <laughs> now I'm getting
0: a, a a lot better at like going like silence until tomorrow. Just
2: throw your phone out the window like it's yeah. done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, I mean, expensive <laughs> solution.
2: Uh, yeah, just not every day. But, it's but it fine. works. It's yeah. Totally fine.
0: No, but you know what then happens? Like on my Apple Watch, it'll start pinging on my. Apple
2: oh Watch, no, you! Like, <laughs> Technology. Um,
0: another thing flies out the window, and, and then my net Then I don't know. My nest <laughs> webcam starts pinging. And but if whatever, they, if whatever. they
2: start mailing you, that's gonna be like the line where you have to, do. you might need to move addresses.
0: Like, <laughs> yeah. you I'm like a carrier mail. page and knocking yeah. on the window or something. It's like, ah,
3: go away. Yeah. I
2: it's can't like, deal with
0: this. Oh, oh, and then it'll like uh, escalate to WhatsApp, for example.
1: So, yeah, I yeah, just
2: move services high with being portrayed at the WhatsApp service. just look at this
1: at this minute in time? Yeah, It's yeah. so, like, no, not <sighs> my computer. Uh,
0: yeah. No, no I, I mean, you know, in the olden days before pre Slack. This would have been great as an email because yeah. it means is a is an asynchronous communication, right? It's not like it's a chat left hanging. Discord annoys me because we do use it for work at the studio. Sorry, Valentino. <laughs> uh, but with, at least with Slack, I can go uh, remind me about this tomorrow. So yeah, so I've seen it, but and I'm not going to compu- process anything about it. I just say remind me about it tomorrow. But. But, yeah, I think uh, Slack
2: is much better for work related stuff rather than yeah. Discord because that's more like for, I don't know, gaming and just community stuff, right? Mm. Uh, and Slack, you have at least you can p- configure it to have the options that give you a bit more like freedom to do whatever you want to do. Right? But
0: yeah, I mean, just email me send me a fax with your questions <laughs> and uh, if you've enjoyed this episode you can yeah, just, just fax just me Just
3: telegram it over <laughs> just telegram yeah. it over. Just, just
0: like stop you know please yeah. do yeah. another episode on stop what stop what that joke is for those people from the
2: 1800s
1: not many of us here yeah
2: Oliver I do have like a a question about Postal actually um yeah. have you played the the previous games and if there's anything uh, you can tell us about the differences in level in regards to like level design with with the new one. Is there something that that's different or new that you're trying out with Postal um, stuff like that? If only if you can obviously talk yeah, about. Yeah. It.
3: <laughs> um So yeah, I've I've played all the Postal games, uh, including the one that they don't like to um, talk about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mainly I mean I I played Postal one, which is like a it's like an isometric sort of view, which it it's great. It's you know it's a great little fun. Shooty, blast everything game uh, is the best way I can describe it. Really, yeah. uh, but Postal Two was is more yeah it was more sort of like this this world this breathing world that was kind of like there, and I think that's what the we're trying to like recapture with Postal Four. Is you have this 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 world? Um, obviously, level design does take a take a role in it. Is it, you know it, you can it, it's, it's an open world game. You know i mean obviously it's, we're not gonna be as slick and, and intricate in places as something like grand Theft auto because you know at the end of the day running with scissors is still a small independent developer you know we don't have the the manpower or the budget to create that, that sort of like scene but we 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 try to take a lot of time in making sure that every you know area has some life you know it has a you know maybe its own little story or you know its own little resonance playing out and that's that's something that's tried to be lifted from postal two postal two is like this you know you could turn around a corner and someone w- would be like in their house maybe you know picking their nose or something you know and then you go to another house and someone might just be sat there like watching tv you know obviously you could go in and like bash the door down <laughs> and start trashing the house up but you know it, it was like it was this little breathing yeah. you know dysfunctional world Mm -hmm. and postal 4 is just trying to be that but a lot bigger you know because obviously we're using unreal engine 4 now you know we have a lot more room to play with um that's another thing not a lot of people realize we actually use unreal engine uh because for some reason we can't use the unreal engine logo on the game uh i don't know why that is but yeah so it's 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 just hopefully when you walk around the world you know you get an idea of the history and you know um all the little characters that live in amongst it and stuff you know there's an area that i worked on which is like the most worked on area that i've worked that i've done so far for poster four which is the mexico we we split them up into tiles it's the mexico tile and i had actually just been watching uh is it coco Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been watching that with my daughter and it's all about, obviously, you know, the, the afterlife. Yeah. You know, it's the a very day. good movie. Um, I'm just going to thought Yeah, and it's, it's some really beautiful architecture in it and really amazing set pieces. So, obviously, I'd been tasked with working on the Mexico tile. So, you know, I, I instantly started drawing inspiration from that. I started finding out about the architecture of it and I bought a book that I started, like, reading and I started, like, pouring through, like, how... You know, it comes down to like set dressing now, but it's not just about how the building is. It's about how everything lives inside that space. You know, you know. It, although you want it to be like an individual house for each person, because you want every person to be an individual in that space, um, things have to make sense. You know, um, including like little. There's like a little um, house. I couldn't. I didn't know any. I didn't know what to do with it because it was too small to be a house it was too big not it's just to get rid of it otherwise it would have left a massive s- space so i kind of made almost like a like a an adobe f- yeah it's called it's, it's like the, the architecture is like southwest adobe okay. um but i, I made it like a flat
2: mm. version
3: <laughs> so it's like so we had like the the living room and the kitchen kind of condensed into one space and the bed bed like in, in a corner and then the only separate room was like the bathroom and stuff but yeah it's it's just creating those like individual little spaces uh to believe that you're in the world that you're in uh no matter how chaotic and crazy and silly it is um it's still a space that exists um Mm. you know even if there is like a random sexual instrument (laughs) 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 like it's it's Um, funny
2: that you talk about portal i was gonna say i posted in that way because um that's not first thing that comes to mind when you think of Postal but when I played Postal 2 which um, I was very young like I should have played in 18 but (laughs) never mind Uh, I remember I was like very little I was really enjoying that game and I think it's because what you said it created this living world and you could play games like I don't know big open worlds but You didn't have what postal did, which you could enter every room and there would be someone watching TV. Or you could enter the store and there'd be a line, a queue waiting to buy stuff and you could disrupt that. And it kind of like people walking on the streets and the police officer like, I think... um, I don't know, they, they, they could stop them or something or you could stop them and take, you You had a questionnaire. I don't remember exactly, yeah, but you, ha, yeah, could, you had all these, yeah, you had all these interactions yeah. with the world and it was like connected. You could easily go to the store, to the other area yeah, and whatnot. And it was just like, you had all these mechanics that you could do whatever you could, you could kick someone and pee on them, but you, and, yeah. and you could go anywhere though. And it was connected and it just felt like alive in a way. Like, like you say, it was, yeah. it was a living world. It's, it's, it's nice to see that uh because i think a lot of open worlds we don't have the ability to enter a house and we see the lives of the people there even if it's just super simple even if they're just playing animation of them watching tv or something we we don't mm-hmm. have that ability to do that in open world games because they're focusing on the outside rather than the inside too yeah. right and that one had it um it obviously was like way smaller than other huge open worlds but it was still uh it still felt pretty open and then the levels were not like restricting you in in a way you could enter anything basically and it adds
0: so much right because i mean i played grand theft auto 5 way back when and places that you can't go into or that everything's locked and it sometimes makes you feel like this is a painted cardboard box not like yeah. a like an apartment, right? Yeah. Or like a, a flat, and and it mm-hmm. and that can take you out a little bit, uh, and then you carry on driving like a maniac across Los Angeles, but um, or Los Santos, sorry. But you know what I mean? Is 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 adding that? Uh, I always see it as like you know, the player and you have got a, a deal, and you're there not to break that illusion. You know, like you've both like signed a contract. It's like okay, I'll believe in your stuff if it's. You know believable enough <laughs> uh, and you as a designer you're like going like i'm going to provide as much as i possibly can within time and budget yeah. for you to buy into this
2: yeah yeah and it's sometimes uh it's sometimes nicer to see smaller open worlds but with more like interactivity like that or with more areas that you can access that uh, you you normally wouldn't find in other like games which is yeah it adds to that like, believability of the world right because it doesn't matter how big your open world is that's not going to add to the believability to it like you don't care at one point you're just going to be tired of like trying to traverse and go somewhere but you will never be tired of exploring new areas um within you know the map or something that is is, is more that is more engaging basically
3: yeah than yeah, being being an
2: empty space
3: it's it's interesting because like what the, the the one thing i absolutely love about postal's open world scenario is it's this open world but it's still unlocked piece by piece not by gameplay missions but by a, a day mechanic so you have this this unit of time which you 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 know everyone considers to be like how you would judge where you are in the week like a Monday okay Monday I went to I had to go shopping I had to go to the bank and then I came home and I you know Tuesday I, I had to you know go to the GP and then I had to go into town to pick up the prescription and I came home and I did work so you you already like judge this passing of time with days in games like Grand Theft Auto it's you don't really know the dates the time you know it's 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 just story events happen and then time shifts yeah whereas with Postal you have like so you've done errands on a Monday they've had an adverse effect on the world around you so when you wake up on Tuesday and more of the maps open, the chaos you've caused on Monday is still having an effect on where you were. Yeah. And Tuesday residents know about you. Yeah, it's it's a re- it's it's a really interesting mechanic to play with and it, it, you know, it's so it's an open world like space but it's still
2: It's responsive um, to it kind of feels more responsive and a bit more like intuitive to be in, right? Cuz you said it's like Monday, we know Mondays, we know Tuesdays and you have all these different things happening in them even, even if things were linear you would still I think uh, I don't know kind of enjoy because it, it kind of puts you into that world and with every day that passes you just feel that it's something new or yeah. something different might happen so that's pretty cool yeah.
0: So Post of War is, is now on early access right? Is it, is yeah. it early access or is it release? Yeah from- so
3: we, we're on early access we've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Thursday's <laughs> just come out with the latest update. Um, it's quite buggy because we wanted to make sure that players had a lot more content just to play around with uh-huh. um, but we are like constantly fixing up issues that we've you know but and then it'll be Friday and then who knows
0: Would you, uh, <laughs> who, who knows what happens after Friday <laughs> <Who> <laughs> no one knows who knows what <laughs> happens
3: maybe we'll get a weekend who knows
2: <laughs> yeah. we know, yeah. so
0: maybe maybe you get a Saturday and then uh, you know like the two-parter you know Saturday. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Ollie's been an absolute pleasure talking to you you'll have to come back and we'll dive into like hammer <laughs> we'll hammer out hammer and, and go into yeah. the source of source and, uh, and and get a full episode of going into that but it's been a pleasure with me has been Oliver Curtis. Ollie Curtis is that better?
3: Ollie, um, Oliver, the guy with the red and yellow hair. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, take, you can't miss him. Take, pick, pick your, your point. Yeah, I mean, I've got a hat on right now, but, but, yeah, but yeah. normally it's bright red yep. and yellow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, has, there's also been Johnny Wilson or Jonathan Wilson. Uh, I'm going to go for short and long, just in case. You know, short, have a- short, short. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Val Chrysostomo or Valentina Chrysostomo however you want to refer to them I'm going to put all the all the. All the please all refer the, to
2: me as Chrysostomo only because I know that's harder for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> for me it's it's easy I can say Chrysostomo to the cows come home Mark, Mark's, had a
1: lot <laughs> Mark's had a lot of practice oh uh, yeah
0: uh, we've, we've had like the good 20 episodes at least that have been saying your name you've so.
2: been saying was like yeah yeah used i mean to you me. also
1: work together yeah, yeah, so you have a bit even. more practice than just the podcast episodes, a little so. bit more
0: practice that's bit. true so we, we can do that um but yeah thank you very much for listening or watching this episode if you're watching on uh, youtube and if you're watching on youtube like and subscribe leave your comments below and do all of that and and if you're listening to this podcast go to wherever you got it from and say that it was very nice because ratings matter and uh, subscribe. I don't know. If, I don't know what to tell people to subscribe. It's the end of the episode. If you're not subscribed, what are you doing here? You know, Jesus. Go home. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>
1: Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: This has been a Command Studios production. Our editor is Matthew Lever. Our theme tune is by the awesome James Elsie. You can follow us on Twitter at Level Design FM, but we're also available on all podcasters out there. But you can visit us on anchor.fm forward slash Design.